Kia ora, mai, hoki mai, and welcome to this episode of the Windows on Dementia podcast. I'm Dr Meg Spriggs and I'm the dementia-friendly advisor for Alzheimer's New Zealand and I'm joined here today by Dr Bridget Ryan of the University of Auckland. It's so wonderful to have Bridget here today. Um, I first met Bridget many years ago when I was first starting my PhD and Bridget was a postdoc and I looked to Bridget as as an inspiration, um, not only for research purposes, but also because she's just an all round lovely human being. Um, so it's really great to be here today to celebrate her mahi as we mark World Alzheimer's Month. Bridget has a keen interest in young onset dementia. She's leading the New Zealand Genetic Frontotemporal Dementia Study, um, uh, which is a dementia which often affects people under the age of 65. And it's a really unique and interesting study, and I'm sure we'll get to hear more about it in this corridor. Um, she's also chair of the Younger Onset Dementia Trust, which provides support to people in whānau living with younger onset dementia in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So that's enough from me. Let's get into this. Um, and maybe we can start with you telling us a little bit about how you got to being a national leader in young onset dementia, Bridget. Kia ora me. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great place to start. So as you mentioned, the, the main research project that I'm involved in uh, involves me working with a family who have frontotemporal dementia. And as you also mentioned, frontotemporal dementia does usually uh, affect people when they're under the age of 65. So from working with this family, which I've been doing since um, about 2015, it really dawned on me quite early on that this family were dealing with additional challenges um, to do with, their, with the dementia that, that ran in their family. And these, obviously, dementia at any age has a lot of challenges, but I think when people are in this, this younger group, so when they develop symptoms under 65, which was the case in this family most of the time, there are really additional challenges that are quite unique to that life stage. And so from, from that uh, interaction with, with the family and the more I got to know them and hear about their stories, it really made me uh, think a bit more about what we actually knew about young onset dementia in Aotearoa um, in terms of just who was affected um, and also in terms of the research that was going on. And what I found out pretty quickly was that we didn't know much. Um, and so I uh, managed to team up with some really amazing uh, clinicians and researchers who were also interested in finding out more. And really, um, back then, we just started out with some really basic questions. We wanted to know how many people are actually affected by young onset dementia in Aotearoa, uh, what sort of challenges um, are they dealing with, uh, is what we see in Aotearoa similar to what we've seen um, internationally. And so it was around about um, that time as well that I started to get involved uh, with, with the charity that you mentioned, um, Yodat. So, I uh, started working with them officially in, in 2019, and I was really pleased to um, find out that they existed, that we have a charity in New Zealand that is specifically focused on these people with young onset dementia. Um, and, and really, it became apparent to me, especially from the research, but also from working with the charity, that there's not enough support in Aotearoa um, for these people. Um, and, and through my research and my work with Yodet, I'd really like to see that change. Amazing. Wow. I mean, you've already mentioned that we don't really know a lot about young onset dementia. Um, so maybe, uh, you know, you can outline a little bit about what we what we do know 
um, maybe we've learned quite a lot since you've started, um, particularly in New Zealand. So, so what do we know about young onset dementia? Yeah, so as I mentioned, uh, alongside a, a team of other researchers and clinicians, I've been really interested over the last couple of years just to find out what we can in terms of some really basic information as a starting point, pretty much. Um, and this is really outside of my area of expertise in some ways. I'm really a lab-based molecular biologist, but I've been lucky to team up with some with some people who have much more experience in, in this field of, uh, of sort of prevalence and, and epidemiology um, than I have. And so uh, the, I guess the first piece of information that, that we wanted to find out was really how many people are affected. So in 2022, we published some work, um, and this was um, led by um, Gary Chung, who was a um, previous um, Alzheimer's New Zealand fellow. Um, and what we did for this project is we basically looked at some national data sets that we have here in New Zealand that record anonymized health information um, of basically the whole population, um, which is a really great re resource. Um, that's not common in, in a lot of countries. So that was um, really great for us as researchers to be able to use that. So that um, those databases allowed us to basically count how many people in New Zealand every year um, are living with a diagnosis of young onset dementia. And we define that as people who are under the age of 65 and have a, a recognized um, diagnosis that's been recorded um, in these data sets. And what we found was that each year there were about 3,400 New Zealanders um, with this diagnosis. And this is similar to what had been previously found in international studies. Um, but we actually think that the data that we found in New Zealand um, is potentially more reliable than, than some international studies because we have that quite high quality data from those national data sets. And so that, you know, 3,400 in itself um, is, is a large number, um, but that'll be a minimum. That's an absolute minimum. There will be people who have been misdiagnosed or haven't got a diagnosis yet um, and other people that, we've, that we will have missed for, for various reasons. Um, and the, the important thing to note, I think, is that, um, you know, often we think of dementia as something that really only happens um, in, in older ages. And it is true that the older you get, um, the higher your risk of developing dementia gets. But actually, those 3,400 people represent about 7% of all people living in New Zealand with dementia, which um, is not an insignificant number. Um, and we also importantly found that there was a difference with ethnicity. So um, in the in the Maori and um, Pacific people groups, we did find that they were um, more likely to have young onset dementia when we compared them with um, the European group. Wow, that's that's really interesting. And and what you say there at the end about um, the the differences in different um, groups fits with what we're seeing generally in that um, uh, rates of dementia tend to be higher in people um, in Māori populations and in Pacifica populations. So, yeah, um, I imagine there's a lot of work going into um, better support uh, for those groups. Um, and it sounds like we also, we do have this really unique um, database, um, which is so fabulous. And in the the um, the study that you're leading, the genetic study, that's also a really unique study um, when we think internationally, right? Because I don't know if there's any other studies quite like that one anywhere. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So that's the work that I've um, really been spending most of my research time on for the last um, seven or eight years. And basically, uh, the, the sort of underlying idea behind all of that research is um, that we believe that the key to combating dementia is early detection. And so what we think is that 
if we could potentially um, intervene really early on in the disease process, that would be our best shot at actually treating or preventing dementia. And we do know that there's evidence that the, the brain changes that are, that are happening um, when somebody develops dementia, they're actually starting years and, and maybe decades before people start to notice symptoms. So we can think of it that there are these really subtle changes happening in the brain um, that are uh, in this really early, early stage. And they just slowly, slowly build up over, over many years and, and decades even before they reach a sort of tipping point, which is when the person actually starts to develop symptoms. And so this uh, gives us this really exciting window of opportunity to, to intervene at this early stage um, when people don't yet have, have symptoms. And the difficulty with, with this whole idea, obviously, is, is how to identify these people at this early stage if they don't have symptoms yet. So um, what, what, what we realized and what other um, studies internationally have realized is that families that have a, a genetic form of dementia provide a really unique opportunity to look at these earliest changes. So in these, in these families, uh, we can identify people um, very early on. So from birth, we can, we can look at their, at their genes and we can identify if they have this particular gene change that will um, cause them to develop dementia later in their life. So right from very early on, we can identify these people and that allows us um, this opportunity to look at these really early stages. So uh, the, the study that you've already uh, mentioned, the um, New Zealand Genetic Frontotemporal Dementia Study or FTD-GENS for short, <laughs> um, what we're doing there is exactly that. We're working with this amazing family um, who are based in New Zealand who have a genetic form of frontotemporal dementia. And it is a unique study in many ways. So uh, we we do work with international cohorts that, that are doing similar work, but most of these international studies will have a number of different people from a number of different families involved. It's quite unusual to have such a large family that we have and so many people from an individual family involved in research. In research. And we think that gives us um, uh, a really, a really amazing um, resource and just an amazing opportunity to to work with them. And the other important thing is that even though uh, this this large family is still, you know, not not a huge number of people um, in the grand scheme of things, we are working with the international studies that are doing similar um, work, and that means that this New Zealand um, research can really contribute um, in an important way to to international research as well. Well, yeah, that's. That's amazing. I mean, how how fabulous, uh, I mean, to be able to work with people so closely. Do you have quite a close bond with the family? Yeah, it's one of the real privileges of, of being involved in this study is that um, that myself and, and the rest of the research team, so there are 13 of us involved in the research team, we've all got to know the family um, over, over, over many years. And it's really important to us that as well as um, obviously we, we see the people when they come in annually um, to get their assessments done, but it's really important to us as well that we have regular uh, meetings with the family. And that includes people in the family who are involved in the research and also people who aren't. Um, and we try and keep them up to date with what we're doing with the research, but also provide any information that they would like that might be helpful about frontotemporal dementia or support for people with dementia in general. So, yeah, that's that's a huge um, a huge benefit for me to working on a project like this um, is that I get to get to know this amazing family. Yeah. So even though you said you're a you're a lab based researcher, like this is this is working with people. This is getting out there and being in the community, and that must be so that must be so great. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like I said at the start, that's really what got me involved um, with, with Young Onset Dementia in general and, and with the Yodet charity. So that's, uh, yeah, I, I personally think that that's a really important role of, of scientists. I think, um, you know, we can we can do a lot of good um, outside of the lab. So I'm, I'm trying to do that as much as I can. Love that. I love that. So um, you mentioned earlier a little bit about um, a diagnosis um, with young onset dementia. So is the diagnosis um, similar to dementias that occur in older age? Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about um, dementia in general, that's that's an umbrella term for um, changes in cognition or, or a person's thinking ability and behaviour um, that affect daily function. And that dementia is caused by a number of, of underlying conditions. And the most famous of those is Alzheimer's. Um, but there are there are lots of other ones, including frontotemporal dementia, which I've been talking about. And so we define young onset dementia as someone who has dementia for any of those reasons. So any of those underlying um, conditions and they have uh, their symptoms starting before the age of 65. So in terms of the diagnosis, um, the the actual diagnosis will depend on the particular underlying condition. And so somebody who has Alzheimer's when they're under 65, the diagnosis process will be very similar for somebody who has um, Alzheimer's when they're over 65. Um, but the difference is that, that for a clinician seeing someone um, who's under 65 when they suspect that it, that it might be dementia, it's just a bit more complicated to make that diagnosis. And that's um, partly because there are um, much rarer causes of dementia that tend to occur when people are younger. Um, so those are more difficult to, to diagnose just because they're, they're less likely, the, the doctors are less likely to be familiar with those, um, with those rarer causes. Um, and it's the other thing that um, that comes up quite a lot in the diagnosis process is that it's often just not considered. If somebody um, feels like they may have some unusual changes in their cognitional behavior when they're in their early 50s, they might not think oh, this might be dementia in the same way that somebody who's over 65 might. And, and in the same way, potentially their GP might not um, consider it as, as early on. So we do know from international um, research that it takes quite a long time to diagnose young onset dementia compared to people who are over 65. Um, and that in itself can be really difficult for the patient um, and for, for their families. Um, as you can imagine, that uncertainty over a long period of time can be really difficult. And so we started to do a little bit of work on this in New Zealand to find out um, how long it's actually taking and if there are sort of um, parts of this diagnostic process that we can potentially improve. Um, and this is work that I'm doing currently, which is actually funded by Alzheimer's New Zealand. And what we've um, found out so far is that on average, it takes 3.7 years um, to get a diagnosis of young onset dementia, which does seem like a long time. It's similar to the, the length of time that they've seen in Australia. Um, and we asked uh, the care partners um, of the people who had been diagnosed what they thought about this, and 40% of them thought that it was taking too long. Um, we do see that most people go to their GP first, which is great, but it is, re it is uh, recommended that the GPs then refer on to a specialist um, to make the diagnosis. And we do see that happening uh, most of the time, um, but unfortunately, in a minority of cases, um, it takes quite a long time, so over a year for the GP to refer through to a specialist. So we think that's something that potentially um, could be shortened that period. Wow. How does that compare to the length of time taken for a diagnosis uh, for someone who's over 65? 
Yeah, that's a good question. We haven't directly compared that in our research, so we don't have that data specifically for New Zealand, but very similar research in Australia has directly compared um, the, the younger group um, and the older group, and it looks like usually it's around about two to two and a half years um, for the older group. So there's maybe about a year's um, difference there, which is, as you can imagine, quite a long time when, you've, when you're dealing with this uncertainty. And it's also difficult to access the supports that are available before you have a diagnosis. Yeah, I can I can imagine that that difficulty must uh, sorry that uncertainty must be so so challenging. Um, and I guess even when uh, when a diagnosis is made, there's then an, an extra level of stigma attached to um, a young onset uh, dementia. Um, I imagine that possibly comes up in a lot of the work you do with the younger onset dementia trust. Yeah, it does, and it has come up a little bit in the research as well. So one of the other things that we've done is. We directly compared in New Zealand the um, the experience of people when they after they have a diagnosis of of young onset dementia compared with the people um, in the older age group with dementia, and we did find um, to your point um, one of the important differences was that people in the younger group tended to have um, more neuropsychiatric um, symptoms, so those are things like um, depression and also more problematic behaviours, so those are things like um, being aggressive. Um, and, and that sort of side of things does does make the stigma um, a little bit harder, I think, as well. And, um, you know, for, for families um, uh, dealing um, with, with the people living with young onset dementia, um, those sorts of um, problematic behaviours can be a real issue. And I think the other thing that's important to note is that, um, for example, the, the public awareness um, that dementia is even possible at this younger age um, could probably be improved um, because it's, um, people often uh, will assume that um, that a person doesn't have dementia when they're younger, um, and so that can make it more difficult as well for the for the both both the person living with dementia and their um, and their whānau and family as well. Um, and we also found out when we did that comparison of the younger people with dementia um, compared to the older people with dementia that um, the they the patients themselves were more likely to experience loneliness. Um, and the family were more likely to experience financial strain um, and also um, decreased care and well-being. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of issues there. And as you said, this this comes up all the time in, in the work that I'm doing for um, and with Yodat. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, I mean, just from this conversation, the range of research that you've been involved in so far and what you've um, you know, uncovered in a New Zealand context must uh, make such a huge difference for all of those who are living with young onset dementia to know that that their voice is being heard. Um, if if you could sort of think about a, a one or two things that you'd really love to know, like the next steps, um, what would they be? If you could do anything um, research-wise, what would it be? Oh, that's a tricky question. I think we're so used to um, thinking about what we can do in, in practical terms <laughs> with all of the restrictions that we have to deal with. I you think... have a, 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 a blue sky one and then a more yeah. practical one of what, what, what really is the next step. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in terms of research... Um, so yeah, as I as I mentioned before, I really think that this the key to combating dementia is early detection, and and to me this research is really there are two sides to one coin with this type of research, and um, on the one hand, um, it's really important to do the sort of research that we're doing where we're trying to identify people really early, 
Um, but on the other hand, it's also really important that we have um, research going on um, into potential treatments um, and prevention because, you know, obviously a lot of people would say, well, what's the point of identifying people in this early stage if you if you don't have anything at that point to to treat or um or or intervene or or prevent symptoms developing? So I suppose the the blue skies thing would be um. I would really love to to see the two fields coming together um, more, and so we can have uh, people working um, with uh, the the identification early identification side and the people working on the treatment side, um, and really try and get both of those things um, off the ground. And I think I think there is um, some really exciting there are some really exciting things happening on the horizon in, in the treatment field. So I'm hoping that we can start to intervene earlier and earlier. Um, and in terms of what we're what we're doing here in New Zealand, I think um, continuing on with the longitudinal study that we're doing um, with FTD genes is is really important, and that's particularly difficult to get those sorts of studies funded um, continuously because they're obviously longer than the usual um, funding rounds. Um, so yeah, I think for us, if we were able to follow this family um, for for many more years until um, until they're, you know, for as long as they're interested in being involved, I think we just get such value, valuable um, information from working with this family for longer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And longitudinal studies are so important to our understanding and science. And as you say, they they because they go such a long time, they go longer than funding rounds, and it, it can make it difficult. So, you know, I really hope that that work can continue as well because it is it's such great work. Um, I wonder if you've got any kind of final things that we haven't touched on that you wanted to to say before we before we round it up today. I think we've covered a lot, so that's great. I guess just to reiterate that, um, yeah, I think uh, one one side to my work is is the research, and in terms of the research, the the focus really is on the longer term and hoping that eventually we can make some small contribution to um, intervening and um, preventing or delaying the the onset of, of dementia. But um, at the same time, I think it's really important as, um, as researchers that we also do as much as we can to help people um, who are dealing with these conditions right now. And um, I think it's a real privilege to be involved with um, with the sort of community work that I'm able to do where we can actually have some sort of impact for people um, who, are, who are dealing with dementia currently. Um, in Aotearoa so um, yeah and I think just just recognizing as well that um, there is a lack of support for people with their onset dementia and I think we as a country um, need to do more for these people. Yes yes and that really brings me back to what I said at the beginning about you know you're you're a fabulous researcher Bridget but you're also just a lovely lovely person and um, I want to thank you so much for for coming on and speaking to me today um, I, I feel like I've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners will have learned a lot as well um, all right so thank you so much Bridget for joining us it's been a pleasure to have you here um, if you're listening and you're worried about yourself or someone else that you know, we do encourage you to reach out to your local Alzheimer's or dementia organization for more support. And we thank you for listening in to this episode of the Windows on Dementia podcast. We hope that you'll join us again soon. Matewa. Mm -hmm.